Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. This is Trey Fitzgerald alongside producer Ryan Hale, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Today's episode, a gentleman named Taylor James Cameron. And, and as you'll hear in my opening statement with him, he's a, a guy that I initially met as a sponsor representative of the club. Uh, he is an RSL super fan through and through. Also uh, a guy that has worked in or around the organization dating all the way back to 2007 Rice-Eccles days. So uh, we talk a lot about the Believe Anthem with Brandon Steinekert and the organic nature, how that kind of emanated through the fan base at a a much-needed time and how it grew to take on a life of its own. Ryan, I think it was um, fascinating on certain levels to hear uh, Taylor's memories of the early days of the club uh, and, you know, kind of that, he knows how the sausage is made, and but we talk about the fandom that exists in people inside the club, which maybe people uh, watching from afar or season ticket holders, people watching on TV, casual fans, um, probably don't always give give those 50, 60, 100 people grinding 70, 80 hours a week for, for the club or for the teams uh, credit for. Yeah, I think that – from a fan's perspective of the outside, you're thinking of the FO doing, making these decisions or the clubs just doing this kind of thing. And then, you know, for all these years, I've heard stories about stuff that happens at RSL or the things, you know, like, like, let's get down to like the, the believe chant or, you know, the colors or the, the, the crest, you know, think that, oh, that stuff just existed. But, you know, when you get to know the people behind those decisions, it really kind of, it makes it a little more real, you know, it makes it a little more something that I can be no pun part. intended. Yeah. Not, I didn't say real. So, uh, but, uh, but to make it, uh, something that I can be part of, even if I'm, even if I never get into the front office going into the stadium, or just even if I'm wearing the shirt that has the, those logos on, I know where they mean. I know it's not just some generic thing that just got handed out at random. It's, it's a result of a lot of people's hard work. And, you know, Taylor's a very good example of that. He's been here, you know, he's someone who's, uh, Inside, he was inside at the beginning. Now he's a little bit removed, but a lot yeah. of things that happen around the club go through the things that he does. And there's a lot of guys like him that are, you know, this is why RSL exists right now is yeah. because of guys like Taylor. You know, Taylor's been around a long time. He's had a lot of uh, cool experiences uh, with individual players, with the locker room, et cetera, that, that, that I didn't have just because he's kind of coming at uh, things from different angles. So uh, here we go. Taylor James Cameron. All right, welcome back in. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, your host, Trey Fitzgerald, here with the producer, the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Hale behind the glass, and today's guest, Taylor James Cameron. And I have known Taylor since the Rice-Eccles days of Real Salt Lake, and Taylor, you were a representative of a sponsor, and... You know, we kind of got to know each other that way. And then as the team grew and moved to Sandy, um, you became the club's uh, marketing director. You ha- have had a lot of responsibilities over the year years for the, the club, the stadium. And now you are the president of uh, Real Media, Broadway Media, uh, which is the conglomerate of radio stations that, that are tied closely uh, to Real Salt Lake and affiliated companies, so um, I know you've got a lot of a lot of experiences and memories, and I know you've been listening to the pod because every once in a while you text me and you, you correct a <laughs> uh, a Sam Stasekel story or you clarify a Dunny memory, or it's been it's been fun to get that kind of feedback. So I was like, okay, you know, we need to get somebody like Taylor that's been along for this crazy ride that we've had in this community that you grew up in uh, RSL going into its 17th season. So um, it's great to have you here, man. Thank you. Well, I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate it. You know, I, I, I missed you while you were gone out of town and it's always well, thank good you. to catch up. Not I mean, too many people miss me, but I'm glad you did. No, I don't know. I mean, you and I, <laughs> you and I can, we always end up talking for three, four hours when we get on a roll. So uh, it's always good. It's always good. Um, yeah. So when I started, when, 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 when Dave check announced real now, I, I've known Dave, Spence, almost my whole life. Yeah, uh, we were backdoor neighbors for several years when I was in elementary. Spence and I are the same age, um, so it, it was exciting to me when they announced the team. Mm. And I remember, I actually remember the day that season tickets went on sale. This, this is like one of these memories that's wow. burned into my brain. Uh. 
because as a kid, I had my dad, I should say. My dad had season tickets to the Utah Jazz, but I got to go to a couple games. He had them for clients and yeah. things like that. And um, I was so excited. I was in college. You know, I, 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 I had a little bit of money, you know, enough. And I'm like, this is going to be really the thing that I, the first big thing that I do. I'm going to make yeah. this. And were you a purchase. soccer fan? Yeah. So, um, like a lot of people, I, I, you know, uh, I think Zarcos, you, I think, to some degree, um, I grew up playing little kid soccer. Yeah, sure. But, you know, we had 13 channels over the antenna. I yeah. never saw a professional soccer game. Right. Didn't know professional soccer was really a thing. I mean, as a kid, I knew that jazz existed. I knew that BYU and Utah football existed. Right. That was kind of the realm of my, and then as I got a little older, NFL kind of, you know, mm -hmm. the 40, the Chicago Bears, 85, Walter Payton, that whole thing. Okay. And, and then evolving to like a 49ers, you know, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Steve Young, that, that's how like my, my sports, that was, I mean, the Checkets family had a huge impact on how I learned, I, yeah. I learned basketball from them. And sure. Spence taught me how to play basketball. Yeah. You know, and and learned basketball from them. Went to several jazz games with them over the over the years before they moved to Connecticut. Um, but then, uh, then uh, it was the '94 World Cup mm. that came to the United States. First time I ever saw professional soccer. Okay. First time ever, and I was glued to the TV. Okay. Like that's glued. Cool. To the, I watched every game that was on. I'd stay I'd stay up watching. And I was like just enamored by this sport, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, enamored by the stars that were playing for the men's national team, you know. Yeah. When I, when I finally got to meet Alexi Lalas, you know, what was it, two years ago when he came here? Yeah, home? I think so. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I try to, I don't get all, <laughs> what's the word, fangirly? Starstruck, oh, yeah, yeah. starstruck. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, for you, it is fangirly. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> no, but but I did with him. And I, and, he, and I even told him, I'm like, dude, I don't, but this is, yeah. oh my gosh, you know? And I'm like, anyway, so it was, it was that. So I actually, uh, I actually even after that World Cup as a senior in high school, contemplated trying out for my high school soccer team. Mm. Um, I, I went to tryouts. I looked around the room and said, I'm not prepared for that. I didn't have, right. I didn't have boots. Not even I didn't as have, goalkeeper? No, I had, I had, I didn't, yeah. I had nothing. You know, I didn't I have a gear. I didn't yeah. have anything. And everyone had their bags and their, their boots yeah. and everything. whole thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe in a little over my head. So probably I don't regret, I don't live life with regrets. It's yeah. one of my personal mantras, but I look back and think I probably should have at least done it. Mm -hmm. You know, at least just walked in and kicked the ball around and see, but you know, whatever. But anyway, so it was from there. It was from there that the that the love for it built, and I caught it. I caught up as much as I could yeah. whenever I could. We got cable TV, I think, around that time oh in our house, and so it was access wasn't much better, mm -hmm. um, but it was at least I could dig it up once in a while. Did you did you have much awareness of MLS or paying attention before summer of '04? Ten years later, when the rumors started swirling around Real Salt Lake, I did. Yeah, I I did, and and it's funny that you ask because I remember I had to think back to remember how did I first hear about yeah. MLS, and it was through FIFA playing FIFA okay. on Xbox. Yeah, sure. Scrolling through, and I see, wait, what's this? What's MLS? You know, there was like eight teams or six teams on there representing that early edition of that game yeah. or something, um, and you know, several teams that don't exist anymore even, mm -hmm. and and so that was kind of my the first time I'd heard of that. And so then, then as much as I could, I, I, I won't say that I got into Major League Soccer yeah. at that time because that would just be a lie. Mm -hmm. um, but I was very interested that it exists. I wanted it to be successful because I had that hope yeah. that we would somehow get lucky someday, who knows, yeah. and, and, and have a team that we could cheer for. So when that team was announced, um, I was so excited, yeah. so excited. And... Um, the day those season tickets went on sale, I remember I was, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, what I was wearing. It's like mm. insane like that. And yeah. sitting there at the computer and buying those tickets for that first season. Um, it was, and that, that started the, that was it. That's where it really started for me uh, as far as with Real and with Major League Soccer and all that. Uh, and then it, it, it. <laughs> Do you remember what snowball you rolling down the hill, I guess. Yeah, you know, sure. It just got bigger and bigger. Do you remember what you thought of the name? Real Salt Lake. I remember loving it. Okay, and you know, I've heard, I've heard the story, and yeah. I've heard even, uh, you know, hearing Dave's actual perspective. Somehow, I'd never heard that story before. Right. I think when he was on with Spence on yep. Spencer's podcast a yeah. couple weeks ago, and telling how he just kind of decided, no, nah, I don't like any of the names that were voted on. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna, and I actually remember. I think I, I, I assume I voted for a name. I don't remember which one it was, but you know, I was yeah. fairly involved. Highlanders was a big. 
golden spiker with, with my scottish know. heritage okay. i probably voted highlanders yeah. um but anyway uh when they announced it i was actually really excited about it i liked it mm-hmm. I, I i mean I, I understood where it came yeah. from i understood the connection and even though i didn't know this literally until a couple of weeks ago uh out of dave's mouth mm-hmm. i i didn't uh i didn't know that he had an issue with the kind of corny names you mm-hmm. know the yeah. the minor league names as i think as he said well, and, like he and i always w- had that issue. he wanted something that was uniquely and distinctively soccer yeah yeah and so i think that that and, and for the same reason i really liked the name yeah i mean i'll say i loved it i've always loved it but now did you have to convince your family that this thing was gonna fly and it wasn't a league or a sport that was going to die. And, you know, certainly later with the stadium, that was something we were all up against is, is with all the political stuff, people thought that Sandy city was going to be stuck with this albatross around their neck. I'll call myself blissfully ignorant. Okay. Also when the team launched, I was single. I I hadn't met my wife yet. Um, so I didn't, it's not like I had to go home and convince her that we needed tickets and all this stuff. Um, later on, obviously I had to convince her that taking a job with real was the right thing for me to do. But, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, uh, no, it, you know what? I I don't I don't recall ever having any negative conversations okay. or feelings around uh, our, our family. And you know, my dad he's seventy three, and and of course never grew up seeing soccer, supporting soccer. But he's obviously become a big support. Yeah. I mean, he knows he knows a lot of he. Yeah. I think he does it as a favor to me. Yeah. You know, as like a this is something my son is passionate about. But I can go have a conversation about about players about even tactics at certain times with my dad, you know? And so, I mean, he's, he's taken, even he, at his age and level of interest has taken a big, really taking it on. And, and uh, that makes me happy. And did, so I imagine when those tickets went on sale fall of Oh four, did you know many players Besides, like Landon Donovan, Eddie Pope, Clint Mathis, maybe Landon Donovan, I knew Landon Donovan's name. (laughs) Don't give me. Let's not even talk. <laughs> uh, I knew, of course, Landon Donovan, um, Clint Mathis. Interestingly enough, uh, for some reason, I was always a big fan of his. The way he played, kind of mohawk. Probably, yeah, yeah. You know the punk rock roots. Yeah. You know the that sort of thing. But I. So, in fact, you know. Side note: I, I, I don't know how these came to be in my possession, and maybe they were yours once. But I have his the boots he wore in the 09 championship signed by him in my office. I do recall those being in my <laughs> desk at some point. That's awesome that you they have did. them. I'm yeah. glad they found a good home. They passed there. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, somebody handed them to me one day, and they said, I don't even know who these are. And I looked at it, and I'm like, it's Clint Mathis. Clint Mathis is. And, and, and I'm like, they're your Copas, you know, his classics. And, and I'm like, can I have these? And, sure, yeah, why not? I was going to throw them away. I'm like, that's dumb. Don't throw those away. And so, they're, yeah, they're in my, they're at my office right now. Sitting there and stinky old shoes sitting on my. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it was, it 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 really was something that I had to, <clears throat> excuse me, something that I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, individual players that I had to come to identify with, uh, but I mean, straight up when I sat down in Rice Eccles Stadium for that first game. Mm. I, I went and got, I got a program, and I, I'm looking at these faces and names and trying yeah. to identify. I mean, I, it wasn't like I was sitting there going. Even even I'd I'd heard of Eddie Pope, but I didn't really realize the stature. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't really realize who he was or how good he was. Um, uh, where he kind of I didn't I didn't I just didn't have that sure. yet. You know, and so that's something that I had to develop. And I'll tell you what really got me really into understanding what was going on and who these players were and how they were working and started to get me into the tactical side mm-hmm. of soccer, which is, I think, I think, you know, I always have, I, I, I often I have this conversation with people like, Oh, I hate soccer. Soccer's boring, whatever, you know, it's one goal or zero goals or whatever. Right. And and I say there, there are kind of stages to soccer and, and the first stage is, yeah, you go and you see the goals and you get excited. But, but the second stage of understanding is, is understanding what's happening in between the goals and yeah. why all of that is exciting. Yeah. And then the third stage is when you really do the deep dive. That's when you're talking tactics mm. and that's when you're seeing, you know, the impact of uh, this type of winger versus that type of winger or a, a false nine versus a traditional true nine, you know. So you were just soaking all that stuff up. Yeah, as fast as I could. And then um and then uh 
not to get too far ahead of myself, but but I, I worked for a Mastercraft boat company. I, I was the marketing director there. I wanted to be a sponsor because you guys yeah. were doing that, and yeah. I had the ability to make that decision. And was that 07 when that happened? <clears throat> I think we got around to doing it, yeah, in 07 was when we finally— Because I remember, I think the first time we met, you were, like, bringing a boat up to, like, the Olympic Cauldron Park where we used yeah. to do the— Carnival Real yep. is what we called it, uh, the soccer celebration. Yeah, we uh, pulled a few. Bo- we pulled a few boats into the stadium. We put one in Carnival, and then remember we put one down on the field yeah, in the corner. In the corner, we, we would all sit in the, pad. Yeah. We would all sit in that boat. So to I watch never the went game. and sat in the in the boat. <laughs> I wish I had. It was fun. Um, are your Rice Eccles memories related to? Because I know you have a great story about the first time you took. A group of players out in one of the boats yeah, out yeah. on uh, one of the reservoirs. I think that was a good time. Or, or what do you think of when you think back to the Rice Eccles days? Two things. Um, well, a few things. So I'll I'll finish my thought because one one of the first things I think was what the thought I was going to was Real hired or maybe hired, and you'll you'll know more about the details about this than I I ever did. Um, but they did youth camps in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And they did this uh, exchange program where you guys brought a bunch of coaches from England. Yeah, it was part of an MLS program. Okay. MLS Camps was the official camp provider of for all the teams. Okay, so you guys brought all these up and That's coming. how Scott Reynolds got into the organization. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that didn't surprise me. I, I, <laughs> I, I probably should have known that. But um, anyway, so these, these guys come over to England. And because I had relationships with, with I mean, obviously – Check it's I had relationships with Brandon Cornaby is a guy mm-hmm. I grew up with. Um, Dave Lawrence, who was in ticket yep. sales for a little bit yep. there, was a good friend of my younger brothers. You know, we had a lot of ties to just people there. Sure. And so it was actually Dave Lawrence that called uh, my parents and said, hey, we're looking for hosts. We're looking for places oh, that wow. these guys can come live. And they knew that my parents had the house we all grew up in, but none of us live there anymore. Okay. And so they have a few extra rooms, and my parents have always been open to that sort of thing. And so two of these guys from England um, came over and stayed all summer. And these guys are soccer coaches. Wow, I had no idea. And so we ate dinner every night. My mom made dinner every night, and we'd sit there and talk about it. And they yeah. teach me tactics there. And then we'd go to the games, and they'd be walking me through everything that was happening. So I got a really good, really deep and good and quick uh, <laughs> soccer education there. Wow. So my Rice Eccles memories really start with that in in really okay. being taught the game that's at a the really deep yeah, that's level, pretty cool. you know. And then um the fun parts of it were being in the boat. I always I had this superstition that that as far as my memory serves worked perfectly every time <laughs> was that if we weren't if we hadn't scored, if we hadn't scored, if I went into the bathroom so I couldn't see the game, we'd <laughs> score a goal. And so I guess you, I, I did it enough times that I started bragging about more. it. I know, I know. That's what I said. But it worked enough times that I started telling people about it, and I, yeah. I would do it. So you know, we were all very superstitious back in the day <laughs> well, for car- for different reasons. I but. carried those superstitions a long, long way, and for a long time. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one when we get into Rio Tinto and mm-hmm. and our related to our win streak. That was all me. Okay. FYI. All right. Good. I even well, told, use, I even use told your Garth powers for good. I even told Garth one time, this is all me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Garth uh, received that He well. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he always had a Keep doing that, sense then. of humor about that stuff. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because I was telling a story the other day about as rough as those first, certainly the first year, but even the second year were, I think like everybody in and around the club, and the third year, Jason's first year, there was still a feeling of believing For that sure. that every Saturday, like this is the week yep. it turns around. Like that optimism yep. was something magical and special, and I've never had it in any of my other uh, team positions. I've never had it in any of my other fandom. Yeah, I mean, because I guess I don't know. Like, I'm gonna tell you what I yeah. felt that every time I set foot. In that state, in Rice Eccles, and watched the game except for one time. I'm going to tell you the one time where I was like, we got some work to do. And everyone remembers this game. It was LA Galaxy, David Beckham, yeah. and he scored those two. Yeah, like, we were up one nothing in that game. Yeah. And, and he scored those two second half goals that are would still qualify as highlight reel. I mean, yeah. you know the goals I'm yeah, talking about. Sure. Everyone knows the goals I'm talking about. It's I, funny. I remember the Kenny Juker goal. 
and his bear celebration because sure, sure, yeah. that put us up one nothing. I'm like, holy crap, we're gonna beat David Beckham, and then he scored two oh. unbelievable goals. Yeah. Anyway, I just remember I remember seeing that and seeing that in person for the first time in my life. You know, someone of that caliber, mm-hmm. and just going. Okay, we probably have a little bit of work to do, but then you know, every Saturday after that, it was back to the. This is going to be the. This is when it comes around. This is when we're going to start hitting our stride. That sort of thing. Um, I, this is going to take us on a little detour, but that power of belief became a big part of RSL fan culture, mm-hmm. thanks to Brandon Steinecker. Yeah, and I know that you have a very close personal relationship with Brandon. Um, you were probably the first rancid fan I ever knew of. Um, although I had heard some of their early stuff, I guess, pre-Brandon when I lived in Vegas or New York Mm -hmm. or wherever I was. But, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I was fortunate enough, probably like you to be one of the early recipients via email of an MP3 of, of what became Believe. And in Brandon, I know he wrote it and he sat on it and then finally he shared it with Jason and got good feedback and Winger and Ramondo and and probably a handful of others but I guess I would just be fascinated to hear your memories I guess of working with him sure. and bringing that public through the commercial the fan shoot we did with Isaac Holosima out at Rio mm-hmm. Tinto um, right out, I feel like it was pretty close after we moved in out there. Um, eventually, you know, there was merchandise and scarves that, that we did. And then he was part of, and then he did something with the league and like, it's grown into a thing. But, uh, I, the last thing I want to say about before I turn it over to you is like how cool, I remember how cool it would be when I, I'd be up late Saturday night or early Sunday morning reading articles about our games and you'd see a quote from, random players on other teams like you know after we win three nothing or four one or something and be like yeah i couldn't get that that (laughs) damn song out of my head those are my some of my favorite moments is hearing that yeah knowing that we really like got into their heads with that yeah yeah um yeah huge rancid fan uh since since their first album I mean, I remember the first time I heard, you know, one of those moments, those transcendent moments in life. Remember where you were, who you were with, what you were wearing. It made a significant impact on me musically. Um, really was just this is what I've been looking for mm-hmm. as, as, as just an individual. And, and uh, because of that, uh, Rancid's been a band that I has been near and dear to my favorite band yeah. since 90, I want to say 93, probably 92 or 93, something around there. It's when I first heard them. Um Interestingly enough, Brandon and I both saw Rancid live for the first time at the same the same day. Obviously, we didn't know each other at right. the time. <laughs> um, both of us in the crowd at that cool. show. Uh, we were actually I was down in uh, at his house this weekend. We were talking about oh, that. Nice. And just like now, we probably like we're crashing into each other in the circle pit, and you know, <laughs> hey, see you in twenty years. I think you know, yeah. it's like whatever. But anyway, <laughs> it was uh, so to have. I mean. Long story. I'm going to shorten it up here just for time's sake. But to the day that we that we that it released on YouTube, mm-hmm. Isaac and Brandon and their friends had kind of come and they shot it. And I want to say it was February, probably when they shot it. Um, I'm going to th- say 10, 2010, probably mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I always talk about this. These years. Bleed yeah, together, no, they're all you know? it's all a blur. <laughs> it's and uh, anyway, so uh, we. Got the video. Uh, they they put it up on YouTube, yeah. on Isaac's YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and then we saw it. And we started playing. We were playing. We were in the office. We're, we're sitting there at our at my computer looking at, you know, four or five people looking at it. And then we had six or seven. And we watched it, you know, two, twelve, eight. Right. Two, twelve, fifteen, a hundred times. I don't right. know how many times, yeah. you know. And I just remember being, I mean, so excited on on that personal level because of you know who Brandon was. Mm-hmm. Um, now I didn't know him yet at that point. Oh, okay. And I'll and, and I'll and I'll tell you I'll tell you why. It's a little bit of I I think it's a funny story and it's it's the same reason that Brandon has avoided uh, meeting Trent Reznor in real life. Mm. Um, 
but anyway, I didn't, I, I didn't know him yet. So it was, it was, uh, I knew who he was, obviously mm -hmm. a fan of the used and fan of, you know, rancid and, and, and when he joined rancid, it was exciting and, and they were doing awesome things. But anyway, um, I remember sitting there and just saying, this is going to be the thing that defines who we are, that helps the little old, the lovable losers, remember that you, yeah, you well, used to? Yeah, well, it was Bill Manning that came up with the lovable loser term. Yeah, and that was obviously before the trophy and the and yeah. all that. But um, th this is this is the thing that is going to the take us to international, uh, uh, give us that that put us on the radar internationally. And this is going to be the thing that connects us yeah. to everybody. Well, and, while, while you're right there, there's yeah. two moments that stand out to me. I remember Chris Wingert said, holy shit, this is going to be part of the fabric of our club for the next hundred years. And the other part, when I, when I heard it and it, you know, I didn't hear it till after Jason Winger, Ramondo Beckerman, some of the other people that, and it's really cool. We'll have Brandon on because his story about how he became a soccer fan is awesome, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And we joke a lot with Ramondo about how athletes all want to be rock stars and rock stars all want to be That's athletes and true. all that stuff. But um, for for years, Dave Checkets was like, we need a song. We need an anthem. And, and every year in preseason or the offseason when we're talking about marketing plans and direction and messaging and stuff he's like we need we need something like this well you remember there were and i would always there were maybe push like back. five others that well, random people sent in that were just like yeah. this is just and, a rock and roll I, song or like, it's, it's got to be organic it's yeah. got to be like we could come up as the club we could come up with the coolest thing in the world but if we're shoving it down people's throats it's not gonna resonate and thankfully brandon came up with something that not only was unique to our club and will be forever and ever but every other song in every other mls fan club stadium etc was a retread of of something from the epl or mm -hmm. south america or mexico or somewhere else and this was not only was it organic it was distinctly ours pulling the curtain back there were there were Forty uh, percent of the people in this little cluster of people that didn't want, that didn't like it, that didn't want to do anything with it, that didn't see it. Really? Yeah. They're like, oh, that's uh, whatever. From that's, our staff. From our staff. I don't remember that at all. Oh no, all the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loved it, but I can't believe there was naysayers. There was one specific, and, and not naming names or anything like that. No reason to do that. There's one. That's on specific, the Patreon version yeah, of the yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send me fifty dollars. I'll tell you who it was. Um, the 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 one specific that said. This didn't come from us, so it's not gonna. Oh. Totally missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally missed the mark in, in what you just said and what I. Yeah. No, no, no. This is exactly what we need it to yeah. be. We need it to be organic. We need it to be not something we commissioned, not mm. something we said, hey, we right. go write this thing for yep, us. Yep. Something that Brandon was very reluctant to share because he was afraid no one would like it. Well, he and, was afraid we wouldn't. Adopt and if you know it, you an know, artist and you know how personal yeah. art is to the author, to the creator, and and I, I'm not going to pretend I had clarity until I heard Brandon describe for me his process. And I mean, he had that song percolating for a long time yeah. before it ever even jumped out of his brain to his mixing board and and his basement to other people's ears. Yeah, yeah, and. Listen, we could talk about yeah, believe yeah, all day long. Yeah. The, the reality is, is it, it was a stamp. I just wanted to really touch yeah. on that because I know how close you and Brandon are, and and um, it's been fun um, to see that connectivity. Brandon was able to connect you, if my memory serves correctly, uh, with the Foo Fighters when they were in town. So I, I want to hear that, that, oh, sure. that whole story about yeah, that was fun. the Foo Fighters kickabout in, in Harriman. <laughs> it might have been one of the first of its kind. Uh, I mean, at, at Harriman, I, it was, as far as I know, for sure the first. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, yeah, so the story goes, Brandon calls me one day, and, and he knows that I play soccer at a couple places here um, around town, you know, indoor soccer just for fun. Ryan Beck and Brian Dunseth know you do too. <laughs> Just kidding. Ryan, I, I actually played on a team with Ryan yeah. for a little bit. How many yeah. blue cards does he get? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. He actually got thrown out. He got a red card, I think, our second game. Yeah. Sorry, we digress. Yeah, yeah, Nobody yeah. wants to hear that. <laughs> no, <but>. Yeah. Anyway. 
anyway, Foo Fighters, much more fun than Ryan. Love you, Ryan. Anyway, um, the so Brandon calls me and says, "Hey, do you you know the Foo Fighters are coming into town? They're playing this show at Vivint, and they want to their their crew and some of the band members like to. It's kind of like their tradition. When they get in town, they want to blow off some steam. Uh, a lot of them are from England and surrounding areas, and they like to play uh, soccer. Just the whole crew get together, have some fun." Um, and so I said, yeah, sure. I can call the, 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 one of the, one or two of the arenas where I play, you know, I know the guys who run them real well and playing there 20 years or something, you yeah. know? And so I call the guy and I say, so listen, I, I, I want to talk about something, but it's really secret. Like you can't tell anybody because you know, if it gets out, it can be a problem, you know, public place, whatever. And yeah, sure. What's up? I say, so I've got the Foo Fighters in town and Long story short, he's like, Foo who? Foo what? I'm <laughs> like, okay, this guy doesn't Schnickens. Yeah, doesn't get it. And then I had this thought. I thought, you know, <clears throat> this was right when Zebra was just about to be complete. I mean, I, I it it was so close that I wasn't sure if it was done yet or not. So like this has it was to be like late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen. Yeah, I mean I could look up the date. No, don't worry yeah, about it. it. I'm it, just it, trying it, to it blurs together as we say yeah. many times. <laughs> um so yeah, it was around somewhere around there. But anyway, um, so I called Brandon and I said, "Look, I I think the Harriman facility might be open. I think I mean, it might be we might be able to. It's yeah, not. It must have been fall seventeen because we started having academy kids play some games in and around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I yeah, yeah, sometime around. Anyway, so I said, I think that it's at least operational. It's not all the way done. You know, all mm-hmm. the details are yeah. not done, but it's, it's, I think we could go turn the lights. I think the fields are in. I think they're letting people run there's goals. on them. Yeah, there's <laughs> goals, whatever it is. And he said, well, that'd be cool. Cause I guess you should say he was really targeting downtown because that's where they were. Yeah. You know, that's where their buses were. That's where the, the show was going to be. Just like so, the day before the show? Day of. Day of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, we're talking the day before, but this thing was happening right. uh, day of. And so we, so I called, and it wasn't Justin, someone, I can't, forgive me whoever, for names, I haven't been great at names and a lot of people, but I called the the person in charge at the time and, and kind of told him what was going on as Foo Fighters and Brandon and and he said, "Yeah, we can totally do that. We just we just started letting people run on it. I mean, I, it was within a couple hours or a couple of days. Wow. It was very recent. Yeah. So we're like, great. Yeah, let's bring let, let's bring him out. Give it's him probably a tour. David Harris. David was there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Could, could All good. Been. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, long story short, they the Foo Fighters crew, um, most of the band, not not Dave." Or Taylor, they didn't come, but everyone else in the band came. Um, the whole crew showed up in a big white van, uh, took them in, and and and, and Brandon actually hadn't seen it yet either. He hadn't been there yet either. So it was kind of cool to be like showing these guys this big, brand new, state of the art, biggest of its kind, North America uh, you know, training facility, yeah. you know, and and watching them walk in because I'd been there several times already. Yeah, you sure. know, I'd already had that. Oh my goodness moment if you haven't if you're listening you haven't been there go yeah go go down there and just look at it just look at it. it is unbelievable um but so they walk in and i'm watching their faces and the eyes and the looking up at the ceiling that feels like it's a mile away yeah. and you look across the field and you realize that tiny little speck where there's a truck <laughs> you know like oh my goodness this thing is giant you know and they're all laughing they start getting giddy you know and and uh I mean, Romando showed up, Petke showed up, like a lot of a lot of players, staff. Um, you know, Dan Farns was there to make sure we didn't wreck anything on <laughs> on, on the ground. You know, the the even though it was the turf inside, he's still there protecting yeah, the sure. turf. You know, and 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 uh, uh, thank goodness for him. Um, and uh, great episode with him, by the way. Thank you. Um, and they uh, they yeah they, they we played played soccer for several hours at a great time. Um, Took a lot of pictures. Uh, Tyler Gibbons went way out of his way out of his way to get uh, custom jerseys made for oh, nice. all the crew, the band, um, and uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience because as they were, you know, kind of wrapping up, and I got a few text messages, and other things, just saying, you know, these guys had this expectation of being in some cruddy warehouse in a crappy part of town because that's how it is every other city they play in. Yeah, it's just some old 
indoor facility that that maybe has you know adult rec leagues or whatever it is but but they got to play i, I mean even before some of the not before the first team because i know that that our guys had at least trained on there maybe once or twice but right. like i think before any royals players ever trained there i yeah. mean i mean these guys were some of the first people on this field playing and yeah, i remember and, the pictures of you know pecky making fun of zarcos Oh yeah, Taryn. Apparently, two footing people. Like there's all kinds of stories <laughs> that came out of that. So Taylor, like we talked about earlier, you've been a sponsor. You've been involved in various aspects in and around fan the club sponsor. Yeah, contract employee, employee, <laughs> and now quasi yeah employee. <laughs> what a the first story I remember you telling me about getting I guess close to the team was back when you were still with Mastercraft, uh, and the team is at Rice-Eccles. And I can't remember if it was the day after a game or just it was a scheduled off week or whatever. You took a bunch of guys out to, I think, one of the reservoirs and took them out on the boat. Yeah, yeah. We, we went up to, I think we went to Echo Reservoir. Mm. Yeah, it was Echo. Um, that was so much fun. So you got to hear, like, my perspective is, you know, these guys, they're professional athletes. They're, they're, they're big time, right? Um, what I didn't realize, obviously I've learned over the years in that even my perspective on major league soccer and reality, it was so much bigger than it probably really was at the time, you know, to me. Yeah. And, and these guys weren't used to being treated maybe the way that NBA or major league baseball or, or NFL players are used to being treated. You know, I mean, you hear the mm -hmm. stories about that Dunny tells all the time yeah, about sure. like the practice conditions and the high school field and the, you know, the pitch that has, has like a 35 degree angle going right. one way because that's in no grass in half or whatever it is, you know? And I think about those. And so I, I, it gave me a little more perspective as to how cool this probably, I mean, you know, and a few of them several times over the years have said that was like one of the coolest things ever. And the first time that any of them that were there had ever been treated that way by a sponsor. Now wow. I don't, I don't want to say this to like take all this credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. It was just like I had an opportunity. I had a whole bunch of $120,000 boats at my disposal. <laughs> we had a lake on a weekday, so no one was going to be there. And really, there weren't many boats there that yeah, day. Yeah, sure. And they had training in the morning. And then so I worked it out with Teresa. Yeah. You know, set it all up with her to to have the, the team and coaching staff come up to Echo and just have fun. Just go out on the boats, have fun. Uh, they got there. Uh, the first person, this is the first time I actually met Kyle Beckerman was that day. Awesome. And he, he got out of the car, came straight up to me, introduced himself. I, I mean, we know Kyle. We know this yeah. is typical Kyle. I didn't know him at the time. but he How many guys knew how to even drive a boat? Well, none of them. I'll get. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you. So, and in fact, we couldn't let him drive the boat. Okay. Um, it's an insurance, insurance and liability yeah, insurance, issue. Insurance liability, yep. yeah. Um, but so Kyle came up, introduced me, introduced me to all everybody, yeah. you know, the coaching staff, players, everybody. Um, and then uh, so and then they, I said, look, we've got this many boats and X number of people per boat. So you guys divide up however you want. Yeah. I'll go on this one. My friend Mark, who worked with me, was going to go on that one. We had someone else on the the other one, and we also had one of our our uh, uh, shop, our, our dealership. We had a team. We had a wakeboard team. That competed, so we had one of those people, a girl and two guys. So because we wanted to, you know, once they had fun, we wanted to put someone in the water that was really good at it and show off a little yeah. bit, you know, and and to say like, look, this is what you can do, and this because that was always fun for people to go out and goof around and then see someone like, whoa, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at that. Um, and so uh, we did up and Jason. Well, and this is at a time when all these guys are kind of discovering Utah for the first time, right? Yeah, it was 08 summer, so before, right before Rio Tinto Stadium got finished, we had those two games there at the end of that season, mm -hmm. the first yeah. the two games. And so, yeah, it was that summer of 08. And, Where um, we didn't lose at Rice Eccles until the last game of the year there at Chivas before we <laughs> moved to Rio Tinto. I I remember that was such a fun year. I, I go on for days about that year just because of, you know, being a sponsor and having, like, leveled up my access, yeah, you know, that yeah. year. Anyway, um, so – Jason, th this 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 part was kind of funny because I'd never met Jason either. But you know he's intimidating. Yeah, yeah. You know? And he's the whole time folded arms, no no expression on his face, just looking <laughs> at me as I'm kind of walking everyone through what we're gonna do here. And after I'm done, and they, the guys are divvying up, they're grabbing stuff out of cars. Whatever, he pulls me aside and says, "Hey, come over here." And this is one of only maybe two or three times in my whole relationship with Jason that 
I had like a one-on-one, like he's going to tell me something kind of a scenario. So maybe I was lucky. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, he says, I need to understand what's going to, what they're going to do today. And I said, I understand exactly what you're saying. I don't have any wakeboards on the boats because yeah. I didn't have anything that they could lock their knees or ankles into no water skis, no wakeboards. I had surfboards and I had a tube, but I didn't think anyone was going to actually want a tube, yeah. you know, but because of it, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to be responsible sure. for someone blowing yeah, their knee no, out that's their the thing out, with those, you know? those excursions. Yeah. 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 No, that's not, hold on. I did have wakeboards, but they belong to the riders that I brought. And okay. those guys don't let anyone, no matter who they are, touch sure, their stuff. Sure. So, you know, it's, it, I, I wasn't worried about it. And he said, okay. And he felt, then he felt good about it and, and, and it was fine. And he stayed for about half the day and then took off. Um, so how it broke out is I had on the boat I was on, I had Kyle and Chris and Clint Mathis and um, who else was on there? I've got a picture of it, but uh, that that group. And then on my friend Mark, who worked with us, he had Javi and Hamison nice. and all, all the Spanish speaking, all the guys okay. that spoke Spanish. And, and, and they were speaking Spanish the whole time. And Mark didn't speak Spanish, which was even funnier <laughs> um, because uh, – anyway this it's just it was so funny to see because mark's like i have no idea what they're talking about but okay that'll be fun and i kept looking over there and mark is like in tears laughing almost <laughs> the entire day you know and i i can see stuff going on over there so this one this one incident happened so where where i look over and i see mark circling this boat like circling and circling and he's dying laughing and javi is on the back of the boat you know like the yeah. swim deck on his back clutching his sides laughing hysterically like tears coming down both of their faces right i should preface this when homison got in the boat homison Olave got in the boat he gets the life jacket on tightens it as tight as he can and gets in the corner that he assumed was furthest <laughs> from the water right and sits there like this with his arms folded and like he he, he looked kind of scared and we were all like kind of you know javi was giving him a hard time and and everyone was kind of teasing him and whatever and anyway so preface with that we're out in the lake i see him like Mark going around in circles and circles and circles. I'm like, you know, guys, we got to go. Something's going on over there. We got to go check. And as we got closer, like I said, I can see they're all laughing. Bobby's <laughs> in hysterics on the back of this boat. They're chasing Homison with the boat. He gotten in the water to try the surfing, fell in, and then I guess thought the boat was going to run him over. Oh, no. So they're trying to get him in the boat. <laughs> and he's swimming away from it as fast as he can. So they're literally like, so here's what I see. I see a boatload of of guys laughing hysterically. <laughs> a guy driving who's trying his best and Homison swimming as fast as this guy can to get away from the boat because he's convinced that Mark's gonna run him over. That's the amazing. Boat. And it was uh it he'd was probably a, dent the boat if it he, ran yeah, into For him. sure he would have. Uh so you know, we pulled up and we we helped him get on and everyone made fun of him and it was hilarious. But I, I like that story because my 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 second interaction with Homison was not too long after that. And my friends and I decided we were going to start calling him the bull. I don't remember why, but mm. just because, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a, yep. a bruiser. And so we started yelling El Toro at him in Spanish. When he walked <laughs> by and he started, he kind of liked that. He smiled. like, And so I, I just, I always thought it was funny because how do we as RSL fans know Homison, a big, scary, intimidating yeah, guy? Yeah. And I got to see him scared to death, swimming That's away hilarious. from a boat. And it just gives that kind of perspective that was really funny to me. It was really funny. And like, I still, I still, I mean, we still hear about that. One, one of the so. other cool things I wanted to ask you about is when you were, I think, director of marketing for RSL those early years at the Riot, mm-hmm. we did something on Fridays with like fans and the open practices. Yeah. And I've seen some pictures, and this is kind of why it's seared in my brain of you kind of co-hosting Kyle's 15-minute chit-chat or whatever. Yeah. There you go. I'm showing him the pictures right now. Um, <laughs> I've got a bunch any, of those uh, any, any cool anecdotes from, from those days? Well. Besides you and I arguing about timing <laughs> and whatever we were inevitably arguing about? You know what? You and I didn't <laughs> argue about these. Th- these ones came to timing with, with the coaching staff mm-hmm. because we did them right after training on Fridays, the day before a home game, and Jason always had – like he had a meeting right after training right. in the locker room where he'd go through. And so that I just showed Trey a picture of J- Jason 
talking to me and, and I have a microphone in my hand, but if you look closely at the picture, I'm turning the microphone off because <laughs> it's the first thing he said to me. He said, turn the microphone off. Yeah. I don't want everybody to hear this because <laughs> so, okay. I'm about to eviscerate you. Yeah. And he did not <laughs> eviscerate me. He was just very clear about what his expectations were, the amount of time that, yeah. that the player couldn't be. Well, in certain parts in the, of the year. In the sun. Well, that was and, what and I was going to say. It. When we're it. managing the media access, it's like, I don't want these guys in the sun yeah. any longer. And that was it. That was it's like, that well, was... tell those guys to stop goofing off on the <laughs> penalty kicks. Yeah. Tell yeah. Sabo to drop the goalie gloves. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so that's primarily 80% of what he was telling me there was about these guys have been in the sun long enough. And I said, look, I understand it completely. Yeah, and, yeah. And I respect it. I mean, I, I got a ton of respect for Jason for a lot of reasons. The, the reasons that everybody knows and a lot that a lot of people probably don't. And so you know nothing but great things to say about that guy and 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 how nice he was to me even though he was so intimidating at the same time um but yeah anyway you, you know i don't necessarily have any stories about individual players or moments although i would say generally i really loved how any of the guys that we did that with um i, I love seeing how they treated kids yeah you know um being at the time a brand new father um and just really appreciating and understanding the perspective of the parent who on a Friday in the summertime has brought their kids out to see their heroes and to have them ask, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we are at one of those things with Kyle. First question, how long have you been growing your dress? <laughs> every time, every single time without failing. You know what he did every time? Smiled and answered it like it's the first time he's ever heard that yeah, question. Yeah, sure. What, I mean, obviously that kind of stuff, What are what are some of the other things that, once we get back to a normal world that you think you'd like to see from your club, our club, um, kind of reconnect with the fan base because COVID has been the biggest restriction. Um, you know, for me, from my old job managing media access and stuff, I was always worried about, okay, what's going to happen when we move to Harriman? Because it's another... 20, you know, I was worried also when we moved from Rice Eccles to Sandy, right? Yeah, sure. Because Rice Eccles was a very easy location for all the TV stations. Again, it was a different media era. So, you know, like we talked about, I think, with Camrani and Stayskull and some of the other guys, is like, how do you get that access back? Because we've been almost a year now where it's just Zoom calls. And it's not intimate. And one of the hardest things for fans and media and others to get to know, I don't know, Pablo Ruiz's story or – Rubio Rubin story or whoever is that opportunity to have a cup of coffee, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation yeah. to, you know, do things. And, um, unfortunately, and you know, this is no knock against Harriman. It's just kind of out there from where all the stations are. Right. And even where the stadium is. And then, you know, the day before games, you can do stuff at the stadium, but you know, Friday afternoon, if, if there's a game on Saturday night, like, you're not asking the coaches or the players to do a lot of extra stuff. Like you want to try and get the storytelling for the most part out of the way. And, you know, we've talked about this and I'm sorry if this sounds like inside baseball, but you know, in the league for a long time, it was, Hey, we need to allow media access in the locker rooms on days of game up into, you know, 45 minutes before kick. Cause you know, they do stuff in the NBA and I, and I'm just like, that's not going to happen. Like you're not going to get anything. Even if people are allowed to go in there like the players and coaches are just focused they're just yeah, a lot of guys other a stuff. lot of guys in their in their headphones and and, and they don't even and, want to talk and, about themselves yeah. because you know of how that looks to their teammates and stuff like that so i don't know man this is kind of a uh, like i said inside baseball wraparound way of trying to figure out okay so let's say by i don't know is july too optimistic that things are back to normal and the community is comfortable coming back out to a stadium or coming to a practice or whatever like, what are some of the cool things um, that the, that the club can do to try to reintroduce certain guys and, yeah, and sure. just introduce others? Well, you know, I, I probably have dozens of ideas for this. Tyler Gibbons and I had a conversation. We've had this conversation a few times. Yeah. And um, our dream, I, I think it's a dream that we share, is that we do have a full stadium on the 4th of July and because we love fireworks so much here in Utah that we can convince whoever's in charge to put on the biggest fireworks show that this community has ever seen in, in our entire lives and then replicate that on the field as well. Dude, you know? I came across a video on YouTube yesterday or Instagram and just of, to, of a just drone say, light show. Oh, yeah, those are those are awesome. Can we do one of those 
in and around the stadium. That'd be. I'd have to look. I don't know. I don't have any idea how much like they that. cost. I've only like. There's this company in Russia that's been doing them all over Europe, and they are. They're awesome. And even and like one of their recommendations is, hey, like if you're having a fireworks show, have us too. Like we can lengthen the spectacle out and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, Metallica on their last tour did uh they have a song called moth of the flame mm. and they turned all the lights off in the arena and had a these drones rise out of the stage and they had lights on them and they did this whole coordinated fly through inside vivin arena to this song they were playing it was literally no one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my life so i know exactly so they what you're let talking drones about. fly in vivin arena with yeah. the crowd yeah and they're pre you know obviously they're not they're not man- they're not being flown manually right they're it's programmed a, pre-programmed yeah, exactly. programmed to the song exactly so as you know, certain things have in this song, these drones move. And um, it was honestly one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And I, I can envision what you're saying in the bowl of the stadium while fireworks are going off. And now I'm like getting chills because it's well, like, dude, this is sick. a this is the first time we've <laughs> talked about game presentation on the pod, Ryan. So, well, uh, I, I I didn't mean to go. But yeah, you're right. I didn't no, I think I brought it up, but I'm just game trying presentation, to think of like. But what, what, the reason I say something like that is because. What would that mean? It, it, it's 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 it on the surface. It's like yeah, huge fireworks show. And by the way, to say a bigger fireworks show, I'm talking about if you were around in 2002 when we had the Olympic opening ceremonies. That I was, was a not fireworks show. I've seen phenomenal pictures um, of downtown. It just seemed like Shangri La. Yeah, if we can if we can get anywhere near to that, that's my dream there for that. But I think what it would mean to say to the community, we're we're back in that manner to have just a, as big a party as real salt lake can have mm-hmm. in that scenario um to go to the entire entirely other side of it it's it's i don't i don't have really big expectations or hopes and dreams for it because the people that work for the club too many to name care so much and 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 are so capable of doing these things that we're talking about in connecting right. in connecting the team to the fans that that I just don't see it being a big issue for them to try to solve mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. I think that I think that to integrate within within the community, it's gonna it's gonna be something that happens uh, very quickly and very seamlessly. I think a lot of people are, I mean, myself included, are gonna be really excited to go back. Now, can we provide? Oh, can we provide those types of things where people get the one on one? Uh, opportunities with their favorite players or, or members of the team. I, I would hope so. I'd hope for those types of things, you know, because if we can, for two reasons, number one, if we can get back to doing that, that means that the pandemic and this virus is really under control. Mm. And number two, um, I think that, that that will help spawn another generation of, of diehard loyal right. so- RSL fans, um, um, you, you know, and, and, and loyal to the club, but also loyal to individuals like, like, people have been to you know kyle and nick and the and tony and, and these guys for for so long you know and, and kind of along those lines as the club looks to kind of more clearly define and reset some cultural stuff they just you know recently released the rsl way yeah and I, I know you were um involved in that working with john kimball and tyler Gibbons oh, those, and Tony i, I don't and i don't get any i don't get any credit for that but maybe some editing i went through and well whatever sure i mean spelled right yeah <laughs> i mean just the the launch or the unveil yeah. whatever um what, what are your thoughts on on the timing the club doing that and and really putting it out there yeah. to hold everyone uh accountable you know, I got a lot of respect for the origin of the idea. And, you know, when we're in closed-door meetings, Tony Beltran is kind of the one who everyone points their finger at as mm-hmm. the one who, who originated the idea. Tony and Elliot, um, Tyler, uh, John Kimball. Th- these are the four that, for, from from me, working, you know, that I that I work with that, that really had the had their their hands in it and really, really emphasized, and, and, and it was meaningful them to get this out at this time. What it means to me, honestly— Trey is is it's very meaningful to me because it's it's not an individual's idea that is being put out that everyone has to say okay I I support this it is very much a collective it's the collective of RSL front office staff players coaches got together and said this is this is the foot we want to put forward this is what this is the statement 
that we want to make as a group. Yeah. And this is what we want you as, as, as a fan base, as a community, to hold us accountable to. It becomes very much to me that 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 no one individual is 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 bigger than the club. You know, no one individual is more important than the shield. You know, I don't want to go and plagiarize uh, Jason's team as the star thing here, yeah. but it's it, it's very you know very much in the vein of that sentiment. Um, and now now to be honest with you, if I can if I can be straight, and, and this is no secret to anybody who knows me, is well now it's about accountability yeah so now we've said it and i'm saying this to myself too and to you and even to ryan here is mm. now that we've said it what are we going to do about it how are we going to yeah. carry this out how are we going to represent this as fans if i'm a fan and i believe in that how am i going to represent that when i come to the stadium you know from things as small as how am i going to how am i going to treat csc who doesn't necessarily agree with the way that i'm acting right now versus how is the team going to treat visiting teams right. and you know what whatever it is and, and 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 i can and how are we going to as again maybe back down to the individual how am i as an individual who sees the world one who believes what i believe and practices my life the way i, I choose to practice and that's different than the guy who sits two rows away from me how are we going to collectively come together as rsl fans and be rsl family even though we're different people. We might disagree on a lot of things, but when we're there, we're there for one thing, yeah. and it's that. It's that. We're there for the shield. We're there for all of what that the RSL way uh, stands for. And, you know, I appreciate I, – I do appreciate the uh, vulnerability of it, you know, saying sure. that the vulnerability and accountability of it and, and that everyone that's a part of it is is taking it very seriously. You know, it's not just words. And I, I think that's the thing that I, I would say if, if you want insight into, you know, behind the scenes front office that Taylor's allowed to share or feels comfortable sharing, um, it's that is that every single person in that organization right now that I know, and I know almost everybody, I think, mm. that I've talked to takes that thing very seriously and is very meaningful to them. Kind of related besides team performance and i obviously this is the biggest it's a big thing it's always the biggest piece team performance winning is the one thing that can erase all warts basically yep but it's the one thing you can't control besides that how how do we ramp it up and restore kind of that fortress attitude at the riot I mean, these are some of the age-old questions we used to talk about, right? Is like, okay, how do we get people in the building early? And we tried well, food deals. Getting we, people in the building early is simple, Trey. You just lie to them about what time that's the like, game well, started. And that was our most <laughs> successful strategy. Uh, put put the games on national TV, but don't tell them there's a 30-minute right? pregame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only, you know, when we did that, that postcard thing, the red and blue sections, mm -hmm. the only reason that worked is because it was a national TV game. It was a daytime start. And we had, we had 20 at minutes. At 2 o'clock, and yeah. we had 20 minutes yeah. from when people thought the game. Actually, it was like 22 to 26 right, right. from when everybody who had a ticket thought the game was going to start to when it actually did start. If we didn't have that window, that thing would not have worked out the way that it did. Uh, just, just, you know, a little insight there. But, you know, the Fortress thing is just winning. The Fortress thing is th that has everything to do with the team, right? Um, now the team might say, well, we need support from the fans and here we are in our catch 22 situation or chicken, chicken before, you know, which came first right. situation. Yeah. And I don't know that I really have an answer to that because my perspective, me, Taylor is going to be there, whether we've lost a hundred times in a row or one hundred times in a row or anywhere in between, you know, and, and, and that's how I feel about it. Um, I, I think that. I think that to 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 recreate that it would be a futile effort if the front office, if you or I or Tyler or John or, or Rob or whoever thought that I I can make that happen. Yeah, no, you know I can no. have an idea. Well, or and that's I can that's why we love sports. Is so much of it is serendipitous happen. and it's kismet and it's there's no formula, but you try things and you try to catch lightning in a bottle and it is that kind of magical mix of. Preparing for those moments. I put it more on the on the fan base to say, 
you, you don't you don't you can never fully understand how meaningful the support is when things are bad. Yeah. I think you can get it when things are good how meaningful it is, but but how meaningful it is when th- things are bad it's 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 critical. It's critical. And if you've ever loved this club even for a minute, consider that. Consider that when covid's over, mm-hmm. when you can come out, even if you haven't been in 5 years because you don't like this or this thing happened or I mean I I literally this is insane to me, Trey. There's a gas station near my house. A guy who owns it has a RSL jersey hanging on the wall. It's 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 near your house too. It's it's one of the first season road jerseys, the white one that's yeah. Salt Lake in red yeah, on the front. Yeah. It's signed by somebody I can't remember who. Um, Luke Kremelmeyer, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and I, I never go in a gas station, but I, I went in there one day and I see the jersey. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I say, hey, is that your? I didn't know if this guy was the owner. Yeah. Just guy. Anyway, yeah, I, I hung out there. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So you, you have season tickets? What He's like. I have not been to a game since Rice Eccles, and, and I won't do it. <laughs> what? Because that's when it was real. I'm like, what? That's when it was real? I'm Turf? Like, football what? lines? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm literally like, I was stunned. That's funny. I was stunned. I'm like, what am I What am I even supposed to say? And, and so I literally said to the guy, I said, look, you know I gas my car up here every week. You know I'm around here all the time. When you're ready, grab me, and I will give you my tickets. I'll, you, you'll, you, you're, coming, you're coming to Rio Tinto Stadium. He's he, he's never taken me up on the offer yet, but um, my 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 point in telling that story is like, no matter when you've called yourself a, a, an RSL till I die yeah. person, and if you even if you don't feel like you're that anymore, I say reconsider that. That's what I want to answer your question. What what I want at the end of COVID, if I could have anything for this club, it would be that. Everybody who's ever claimed or said or even still believes that they are Claret and Cobalt yeah. in their heart, in their blood, come out. Support it. If you felt like you, you were desensitized, let that go. Start over. Come out again. If you're like me, can't wait to see, you know, you, and I know you're already coming. Doesn't matter what I say or what anyone says or does. Awesome. I can't wait to see you there. That's, that's what I want. It's not the fireworks. It's... Trey, it's not even what happens on the field for me yeah. as much because no, I know it's the vibe. I know it's a I know it's a sport and and it's a cruel sport. I mean, yeah. soccer is one of the meanest of all of them, and it just to me it's about the Champions League final. It's about when we played uh, when Zlatan came the first time and we, when we mm. dominated him six two, and that place was at record. You know, there yeah. was twenty two thousand people. In the, mm. It's it's when we. It's when you know, even though it was half the stadium, Arabe Inido, <laughs> how because that game still gives makes my eye twitch a little bit. <laughs> but the the you know the the, the veracity yeah. of the nine ninety five hundred or whatever people that were there, yeah, like, that was awesome. Like like that is that is what I hope for post COVID is. It, it it's 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 the fan. It's the fan base. It's the people that made the fortress, the riot, the fortress, what it really was. And of course, the you know win streak that was all me. Sure. By the way, you haven't asked me to tell you that story. That the win streak was all me because of superstition. But um, <laughs> that's what I want to see. Yeah. That's what I want to see, Trey. I want to see a full stadium and people there for this club. That's what I want to see. And that's I a see that's a great note to. To end on, and I, I can't wait. To, you don't want to hear why the win streak was mine. No, fault we'll get to that when we have you back after <laughs> we reopen the riot. Um, I say we; it's just it's not we; it's them, the club. They but the uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back out there, man. And um, and April seventeenth is uh, the MLS season <sighs> kicking off. Hopefully, we have a schedule here soon. Um, who knows? Maybe the schedule will be out by the time this podcast is out. But we shall see. Taylor, thanks. You're always welcome to come back in. We look forward to having you back in uh, in the spring or summer. So yeah, I appreciate it. you guys are love awesome. the memories. This podcast has been amazing to listen to. Sorry for giving Thank everyone you. a week off to listen to my <laughs> stuff, and he'll have good. He'll have better guests after next week. Nah, <laughs> it's good. Like it's you know we want to have uh, like Ryan said over and over. We want to have a large uh, swath of different types and. You, I think, are at the nexus of fandom and the sports business and the local community. And, um, 
you know, next time we have you back, I, I want to hear some uh, stories about John Kimball and Spencer Checkets when you guys were young <laughs> and um, and just how, you know, how we've all seen kind of the sport grow in this uh, beloved Utah community over the last uh, 17 years. Okay, my final word. Yeah. And I appreciate being here. My final word is when my daughter, my oldest daughter, was six, when people would ask her where she lived, she would say Real Salt Lake City. <laughs> that's awesome. That's what I am inside yeah. here in my heart, and that's what I hope this fan base. That's uh, how we should all be. answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Where are you from? Real Salt Real Lake Salt City. Real Salt Lake City. Real Salt Lake County. <laughs> Real Utah. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Taylor Cameron, thanks for hanging out with us on Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, please do on social media, at Claret Cobalt on Twitter, at Claret Cobalt on Instagram. We're always up for your thoughts, a little banter, corrections and omissions, your guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories, or whatever. Uh, we do also have the opportunity for you to reach out to us through the message button at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt or via email rsltray at gmail.com. This show is produced independently by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountaineer Media, recorded at Mountaineer Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Please download, rate, share, subscribe, and provide those comments. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you very soon. Very soon.